Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of June 20th, Father's Day Sunday. It's been a couple weeks since our last episode, and we have a lot to catch up on. Hi, Anne. How are you? Hi, Haley. Yes, it's um, Sunday, June 20th, and Haley, it's the final two days of spring, uh, right? Or is it summer begin on the 22nd or 21st? Uh, Somewhere in there. I think it's the 22nd or the 23rd, Second. maybe. But yeah, okay. we are getting close to officially the summer equinox. <laughs> Exactly. The summer solstice. Oh, the summer solstice. Solstice. Yes. I think you're right in the equinox. Um, hard to believe because temperatures around the country have been, you know, quite high and it feels like summer everywhere. And somehow, some way summer just catches up on me and it shouldn't, you know, I work in a, a school where our last episode, we talked about graduation and the significance of graduation. And I think in that mm, almost month's time, so much has happened and it's so good to see you and, um, you know, share the flame and our spiritual stew again. So it's good to be back. Yeah. Um, but knowing today's theme, um, you know, we're both going to honor um, some fathers in our lives. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you have planned, the DiMaria family has planned for today. Yep. So we are doing all of Jamie's favorite things. We um, went to Father's Day brunch, which was really nice. Uh, you know, we haven't been able to do the typical brunches for Easter or Mother's Day or, you know, all those fun things that we did with the kids growing up. So we are glad to be able to return to that. Um, we spent some time at the pool. My husband loves the pool, which, of course, I love, too. Um, it was fun to watch he and our older son, James, play basketball in the pool. Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah. That is fun. Yeah. There mm. were a lot of dads there with their little kids. And then my, you know, big 19-year-old man-child was... <laughs> <laughs> mauling his father playing basketball and um, that was great we were doing some gardening some cooking um some binge watching of tv so again kind of all of of jamie's favorites but you know it's father's day and you know the most important thing is i'm fortunate to be able to talk to um you know some of these special dads in my life certainly my husband um, but also my own dad. Uh, and I know that that is a gift that not that I don't take for granted. You know, I have a friend of mine who whose father passed away a couple months ago, and she's traveling with her sister today to upstate New York um, to spread his ashes at their childhood home. And, um, you know, I have some other friends who have lost their their fathers over the past year. and and for them today is is a tough day. Um, you know, as Catholics, we have such a veneration for Mary. Um, but as we mentioned in our episode a couple weeks ago, fathers are the silent force of the family. You know, they, yeah. our family is grounded in the love um, that our fathers have, you know, just as St. Joseph did. And it, they are really essential to our family unit. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it, you know, any day that I can call and talk to my dad is Father's Day. Um and, you know, of course, I look forward to seeing him and giving him a hug and, you know, certainly know that I am who I am because of the love he's given me over the past 40 some odd years um, of my life. Um, but I'm grateful to be able to spend the day, um, you know, with the dad that I live with. So Jamie's Italian. He's a big personality. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, shows that love freely. Um, you know, I, I think St. Joseph would be proud of, of the love and the family union that he's created. So what about you? Will you get to see your dad today? 
Yeah, I get to see my dad. I was down in San Diego visiting a close friend of mine, uh, who Court, who is um, very devoted, actually, to St. Joseph. And we talked quite a bit about that, the role of St. Joseph in his life and um, some of the ways that St. Joseph is known, you know, just by these hidden acts um, and small acts of kindness and helping others. And um, the U.S. Open for men was at Torrey Pines, which is just an incredibly beautiful setting right along the Pacific Ocean. And, you know, I live near the water, but Southern California, the relationship to the beaches is just spectacular. So one example, yesterday we were able to go on a, a run. I did a walk with the Notre Dame Club of San Diego. We met in Solano Beach, Fletcher's Cove, and then we had breakfast. And I thought this is just the best way to start a day with friends, exercising, and then going to um, have a meal. So that was really special. But I wanted to fly back for Father's Day to be with my dad. We'll have dinner. And before that, my dad and I will watch the U.S. Open um, on television. And I ran into a friend in the airport and he said, you didn't want to stay for the final round? And I said, no, I wanted to be with my dad. And the other thing about golf is that it's just it's it's so fun to be at the event because you get the spirit of it. And there are crowds again and you hear the clapping and the, the sound of a birdie or a bogey, you know, a cheer or a groan. Um, but it's fun to watch with my dad. My dad is just, um, so I'm, you know, as a sports fan, I, I just love smart sports fans by that. I mean, people who really are knowledgeable and he's not knowledgeable about because he's a golfer. He's more knowledgeable because he reads so much. So he'll tell me stats or information and I'm just a hound for all. I just soak it all up. So it's a fun way to, um, you know, enjoy the day. And they, they really make a point of, of noting um, fathers for the final day of the U S open. So many players, both male and female come to golf through their dads. Um, And like, for example, Justin Thomas, his dad uh, is his caddy. And so they play up that special relationship. So I agree with you. Fathers are really, they're really special. They're really important. And um, yeah, it'll be really nice to have a meal together after that. Well, and not easy to leave Torrey Pines. So I will tell you, Torrey Pines State Beach is probably one of our favorite beaches in the world. Um, I grew up going to, you know, my uncle has a, a condo right there in Del Mar, right up the road from Torrey oh. Pines State Beach. We used to walk down to it. Um, when the kids were younger, we would bring them out there every summer. Um, yeah, Torrey, yeah, Torrey Pines State Beach is a special place in our heart. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I know. I wish I'd known that. I would have said a prayer for your family there. So now next time I go and I saw the racetrack, I was kind of curious about that. That's not a sport that I, you know, horse racing, but I know that that's a huge part of life in Del Mar. Oh yeah. We've been to the Del Mar races. We've been to Del Mar fair. Oh yeah. There is a, um, yeah. yeah, Del Mar is a big part of our lives growing up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's Keep fun. downtown. Yeah, I look forward to going back, and you know, um, I, you know, I hope other schools have this experience. But you know, staying with Court, he had another friend in from Notre Dame, and then we're at the golf course, and we just keep running into people from Notre Dame. It's it's incredible. It's a really special part of just you know being at an event again, which you know I, I don't think we will take. I hope we don't. I know I know we won't take for granted in the next year and two, but I don't want to lose sight of that. It's just, it was great to be, um, together. together again. And I, yeah, I went to the pod, we went to the Padres game on Friday night and man, the atmosphere was electric. It's a downtown ballpark. 
you should have seen this crowd. It was incredible. And they have an exciting team, but I was just like, wow, this feels so different than a year ago and I'm ready for it. And, you know, people are in different places with that. And, you know, if you're not comfortable, then you probably shouldn't go to the ballpark, but having been vaccinated for so long and I'm ready, let's do this. It's summer. So it was a great, great weekend. That's great. Yeah, I think I think everyone's ready. And it came at the perfect time. And, um, you know, I think we have made that shift where um, it's not on us anymore. I think it's 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 on it's well, it's on all of us. But um, if if you're choosing to not be vaccinated for whatever reason, and that's certainly everyone's choice, um, it's nice that everyone can can move on and live their lives the way they want to. Yeah, here, here. So happy summer, like we said, either June 22nd or, yeah, 21st. Well, so. actually, I looked it up and it's at 1130 oh. tonight. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So officially right. summer will begin. At a, it might have been 1136. But, um, yeah, we are in the last day of spring, which, um, you know, <laughs> seems crazy. We've been out of school for a couple of weeks and yeah. uh, it certainly right. is warming up. So. You know, you've, um, I also, one of the reasons we took a hiatus for the past couple of weeks, one, it's the end of the school year, both Ann and I work at schools and, um, you know, that always brings a, a, just a different schedule. There's not a lot of routine that happens um, at the end of the school year. So life threw us some hiccups. Um, But I also recently lost, um, you know, someone that could be considered a father figure and, um, you know, spent some time with him before he passed and then traveled again to return back to um, South Bend for his 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 services. So we've we've talked a lot about um, my coach from Notre Dame, Tim Welsh, over over the past, you know, several months that we've been doing this podcast. And we'll continue to talk about him as as I continue to really reflect on, um, you know, what he's meant in my life. Um, but he had battled pancreatic cancer for a long time, almost two years, um, wow. which is an extraordinarily long time to, to live with that disease. It's a really, really brutal cancer. And um, he fought it really well. So we, we feel fortunate that we had him for the length of time that we did after his diagnosis. Many people don't get almost two years. For many, it's, you know, three to six months. Um, but certainly that's something that, um, has been a, a, a hard, um, kind of emotional experience and roller coaster, but, um, you know, a, blessings have come from it as well. Not for everyone yet. Um, but I think we're all learning and, and growing and that's one of the, the greatest gifts that Tim left us was, was that roadmap on how to do that. So I'll talk about him a little bit when we get to the spiritual stew and then, um, you know, the the people we love live on with us forever um so uh, he certainly will too yeah and I, I i don't think we can underscore that enough like i truly believe in the communion of saints so that's a lowercase s saint and you know the idea there is that your our relationship with those who have died does not end in death in fact it can and sometimes it's it's almost magnified because they're with god and i think you had said haley if Tim's not in heaven, I have no chance, which I thought was great. You know, your humility and humor there. Um, so true. You know, Let me tell you, home. nobody's nobody's there <laughs> if he's not there. So, um, you know, maybe for our listeners and for myself as your friend, I look forward to the ways of hearing about how he will be in your life in new ways, right? In the same way that Colleen and Megan are part of your life, um, the two swimmers that died. Um, on January 24th, right, um, in uh, many years ago. So um, 
blessings for Tim and his family and gratitude for his life and his philosophy, which I love that we've referenced many times. And I feel like I got to know him as part of his virtual parish and um, what a great coach, what a great legacy that, you know, someone like that got to leave behind. That's really special. Um, You know, one thought I had too, as you were speaking is um, I live in San Francisco. Catholic San Francisco is the, um, it's a weekly or biweekly publication of the archdiocese. And I was sad because they uh, discontinued the publication of it. It's going to shift to a uh, magazine format six to eight times a year, much more digital content. And I don't know what they have. Are you Diocese of Baltimore in Annapolis? But we are the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Yeah. So I don't know what your communications is, but I just loved this paper. It's so, you know, it's pithy and it's uh, it feels so parochial. You know, it feels so like local, you know, even colloquial, like just celebrations that they would point out of like individuals in Catholic schools and different parishes and what they're doing. And then it had articles from Catholic News Service or, you know, writers like Ron Rollheiser or this woman I really like, Christina Capici. So it was just a great way for me to keep informed about, again, the local life of, of the Catholic Church you know, more of a a national profile and then an international profile. And then one section was upcoming events or services. You know, if there's a speaker like Tim Shriver is going to speak at USF on his new book, A Pilgrimage. Um, But, you know, one thing I noticed, Haley, is a lot of parishes offer grief support, so bereavement, and it is very noticeable. And I thought that is wonderful, that that's something that the you know, our churches can offer people. It doesn't have to be, you know, so many people don't have access to personal counseling um, because of cost or time or availability. So this is really an important service because, you know, they write about the stages of grief and bereavement is, it is a process and it's, it, it knows no boundaries. It's, it's every one of us, right. We'll face it. So I'm grateful they have it. They actually have it at St. Francis where I teach. They have a group you know, because kids, you know, it's, I know I have students every year that lose a parent um, or a loved one. So um, thanks be to God for, you know, our churches that offer that. Well, and it's something that, you know, like like many things, but in particular, when you're dealing with grief, if you've never experienced it, um, it's really hard to understand. Um, And so there is comfort in being together. And there's comfort in being with others who understand your loss. And, you know, it's one of the things that I've been really grateful for these past several weeks is, you know, communicating and being with people who understand that Tim was so much more to me than just a coach. And, um, you know, when I say my college swim coach, you know, my college swim coach passed away, for many people, it's you know, oh, that's sad, or, the, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but for those people who really understand and knew Tim, or, um, you know, they know that that's so much greater of a loss than, than really, quote, unquote, just a coach. And I don't mean to minimize the role of coach, but, yeah. you know, from so many of us, Tim was, was so much more than that. But it, it was also um, really comforting to just physically be with other people. And, mm-hmm. um, you See. know, that's the the grace of, I would imagine, these bereavement groups as well. And it gave me a different perspective on the literally hundreds of thousands of people who have lost loved ones in this country over the past 
you know, 16, 18 months, that they weren't able to gather physically, you know, to comfort and grieve together. And what a whole nother layer of um, of complexity that must have caused for, for so many who were grieving. Um, so there, that that's where, you know, we have to find the blessings of, again, coming out of this pandemic is um, being able to physically be together, right? Whether it's cheering at a baseball game and celebrating that and, um, you know, being able to celebrate being together or grieving together. Uh, it's just as important and just as critical to have that human connection that we have been missing and really missing out on. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's a hug or just touching someone on the shoulder and um, yeah, I mean, it's part of just the human experience and um, you know um, yeah, I, I, I had a couple of thoughts when you were saying like, he's not just my coach because this one, it makes me think of like, if whether you're a teacher or a coach or any job that somebody does um, I think we have the power to always be more than just whatever it is. And there is a coach, Vince Tringali. He was kind of a legendary coach at St. Ignatius. But he says, what do you get out of coaching? He says, what you get out of coaching is a relationship, a relationship sometimes that lasts for a season, one that lasts for a couple of years, one that lasts for a lifetime that does not even end in death. And I think that that's true. Like, again, as a teacher, you have those kids where you've taught them for a semester you know, and it's, it's been real. Right. And then you have those ones where you've taught in like the four years are there, it's meaningful. And then there's ones that go beyond that Mm -hmm. and, um, any role counselor, anything that people do. I think that, you know, that that's really what makes the human experience, right. So meaningful, but also this, this, that's why you grieve because, and, um, because it's more than just, you said like that one season, because it did, you know, it won't end in death. So, right. Yeah. So tell us about the U.S. Women's Open. Oh, yeah. So one of the reasons I was underground as well the last, so in our, what, three to four week hiatus, yeah, we had graduation retirements, but the United States Women's Open came to the Olympic Club. It is the, uh, it was the 76th Women's Open. It is, uh, the Olympic Club is only the second club to have hosted both the men's and the women's championship. Hmm. And I'm here to say it was, it surpassed everybody's expectations. They, women's golf is, should not be, I mean, it, it, it is, they're so impressive, Haley. And I said to my boss, I said, I can't believe how much more athletic and fit and confident they are than I you know, previously thought, he's like, why would you say that? And I said, because, I mean, I've seen collegiate golfers, but I don't know if part of being a professional is having that confidence. These women were so impressive. And, uh, you know, television, like, really does, must put on 15 pounds because sometimes people say, oh, that golfer looks so heavy. And that's true in the men's tour, too. They're, they're men that they say look heavy. In person, I'm like, they're just really solid. And they hit the ball. They drive the ball unreal. So it was great. Um, it was great to have just that energy around the club. Um, I was co-chair of junior volunteers. Obviously I work with young people, so that was my job. So I was there Monday to Sunday because some people might not know this, um, prior to the actual championship, you have the four days of three days of practice rounds. So you're there and we in San Francisco, did not have the heat wave. It was like 55 degrees every day. So you just like wore, you know, layers of clothing and 
you just, it's a different energy you're on, but it's exciting. So um, it's always wonderful to be able to host something, whether you're ho- having people in your home yep. or you're hosting at your club or wherever, you know, your parish or something, your school, it takes a lot of energy. And I see why people sometimes don't want to do it because it's exhausting, but it's also so rewarding, right? Oh, so. it is. Yes. No, I totally agree with you and appreciate that and reflect on the Mary and Martha story all the time. And that's a great one we can talk about at some point. Um, but for this week in my spiritual stew, um, there's, there's a reading from Sirach that I've been thinking about a lot over the past several weeks. Um, Father Tom Doyle, who is the, the priest that led, started, led our, um, our little virtual parish that Ann and I were a part of, um, for the last year or so, um, that was so meaningful to, to me and to us. And I, I certainly know to my coach, Tim Welsh. Um, I loved being able to celebrate mass with him every week and, and, and father Tom, I, you know, I think recognized what a, what a loss, um, Tim's passing was for so many of us. He's very close with, with many of the men swimmers and he texted me and another swimmer, um, a a reading from Sirach that I've referenced, um, several times over the past week. It was part of the the eulogy and the words um, that I wrote that I shared about Tim when I was out for his service. Um, But there are a couple of quotes that came from it that I just want to share. You know, Sirach, the the reading speaks of godly men um, whose virtues have not been forgotten um, and their glory will never be blotted out. Um, And I, I leaned on this passage because it really gave me comfort in knowing, first of all, Tim was a godly man. If there was ever a person who lived his faith every day and everything he did, you know, his mission statement for Notre Dame swimming ended with the words, you know, with love for one another, which, um, you know, has such, you know, biblical references as well. And he lived that love every day. So there is no doubt Tim was a godly man. If I had to think of someone who embodied that term, it would be him. Uh, you know, whose virtues have not been forgotten. He, you know, his glory will never be blotted out. It's, there is comfort in knowing that who he was on earth, that physical presence is gone, but his virtues, his godliness, you know, his glory, what he taught us stays with us forever. You know, that part doesn't go away. And, you know, I've had the privilege, and I just did it last week. Uh, it was the first time I I spoke, you know, and shared my story since Tim passed. I'll do it again this week. Um, you know, every year except for last year, for the past eleven years, I've been invited to speak to the um, at the Naval Academy to their swim camps in the summer. I love it. It's one of my favorite events to do. Um, but you know, one of the stories I always tell is you know why I went to Notre Dame, and and people ask me all the time, why did you, why would you go to Notre Dame? You know, I'm I, I love the heat. I grew up in Arizona. It was far from home. It was very cold in South Bend. And uh, I always tell them I went because I wanted to swim for Tim. And, mm. you know, I wasn't, as you know, raised Catholic. So that wasn't my draw to Notre Dame. I wasn't raised a Notre Dame fan. So that wasn't my draw to Notre Dame. Yeah. But I knew as an athlete and as a person who came from a family of athletes, um, you know, I'm the youngest, second youngest of 12 cousins on my mom's side and all 12 of us played a sport in college. So I was very familiar with, you know, the college athletics by the time I came around to, 
to going through that process. And I knew that going to college, the one adult I would spend the most time with during my four years, which we all know are very formative years, you know, the high school years are too, but in college, you're away from home. So you're out of sort of the sphere of the influence of your family. And you have professors and you may have a rector. There were other adults that are very meaningful to you. But if you're a college athlete, that college coach is the one adult that you will spend the most time with during those four years. Um, And I knew that. And, And so I knew that I wanted that person, that coach to be someone I could learn from and certainly could be coached by, but would also um, be a positive influence on me. And and Tim Welsh was that in more ways than I possibly could have known. Um, but I really went there to swim for yeah. Tim. And, you know, what I have learned, and I've really thought about this a lot of, over the past several weeks, is he showed me how to live a a meaningful and happy, but more so meaningful life, having gone through sadness and tragedy. I mean, he he shepherded us through the you know the the women's swim team bus accident. He lived with that every day of his life. Um, it is the only thing I am grateful for in his passing is that he no longer carries that burden that I know he carried with him for 29 years. Wow. But he he showed us how to live with that. You know, it doesn't go away. It yeah. stays with you. And he showed us how to live with tragedy and how to live a joyful life and a meaningful life and a life filled with love, that love for one another. And that's what we have to do now. You know, he he's gone. It's it's a it's a sadness. It's it's a it's a tragedy for his wife and his children and his granddaughters. Um, but he gave us the blueprint to to carry on and to to find meaning in life and to be happy. And um, you know, those are the virtues that will never be blotted out. Uh, you yeah. know, those words just speak to me over and over and over. And I keep going back to them. And um, what again? I you'll hear me talk about Tim forever because that is, um, th- that is what you know. Sirach is telling us is that those virtues are never the glory is never blotted out. Yeah, um, Haley, there's just so much there. Um, just thinking of how often we try to run or do away with pain, and you know, in light of that profound loss, like. You know, I was thinking recently of a friend who survived the tsunami in Thailand and part of his testimony of survival was literally going, the person driving the boat literally went into the wave, you know, like it's totally counterintuitive. You would think he would go towards the shore, you know, and ride it in, but you had to go into the wave and that's what saved his life. That's why he's still, Bobby is still alive today. And I think about, you know, that as kind of an image, like, you know, working with that suffering and that loss to, in order to live a meaningful life. And then like, I think part of you know the byproduct of a meaningful life is a happy life. I think that's part of it. So I would speak to that. Um, but hearing like kind of your personal testimony and just being an athletic director and working with young people today, I mean, your conviction on that, I, I would just like to hear, you know, for so many coaches today don't stay. Mm-hmm. They, you, a lot of college athletes know there's a risk when they go to a place that their coach may leave. 
Um, you know, I think of football in particular because there's position coaches and you might get attached to a certain position coach. And those men inherently are, you know, looking to move on. But, you know, so many college athletes now transfer too. So, you know, what do you say to the person who says, I want to swim for this person? Now, maybe do you assess like, you know, okay, Neil Ivy, she's not going anywhere. She's going to stay at Notre Dame for women's basketball because she's an alum and she worked toward it. So that's safe. Like, how would you navigate that? That question. You know, it's it it college athletics has changed, right? I mean, yeah. we you know, even when Tim retired, we kind of felt like he was one of the last of those very yeah. long tenured coaches at Notre Dame. And now we still have them, right? Muffet was there for a long time. Coach Bray's been there, Coach Corrigan, even Deanna Gump. I mean, there are a number of them that that stay. Yeah, and, and and perhaps, you know, Notre Dame is unique in that sense, although um, I do think there are certainly other coaches who have stayed for long tenures. But that is that is a risk. Um, yeah. And but I also think people are looking I, I think people's motivation for where they're going and the sport they're playing is different um, than certainly what I was looking for. Right. I was never going pro and swimming. Right. That that's yeah. just that doesn't happen except for the very, very, very elite few now. It certainly wasn't happening 30 years ago. And so people's goals are different. Um, and unfortunately, I think both coaches and athletes see that. Um, but I still think the very good coaches, if it's important to them, can make those connections in in even a year or two. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. kind of interesting when you follow on social media. Um, you know, let's say there's I'm going to use football because you started with that example, right? If there's a, a a defensive coordinator who made a real impact with his defensive players for a couple of years, and he gets a head coaching job, those guys are excited for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they're gonna, and they'll continue, and I'm gonna just use Twitter, because that's usually what I follow. They're gonna still continue to tweet out his successes yeah. where he mm -hmm. plays. Um, yeah. That's a testament to that coach, even if he's not still coaching them. Um, you know, and it's, it's even, you know, it, it's one of the things I love about, you know, where we are now with Notre Dame swimming is, is we have a coach who is there and I think he will be there. Um, but there were a couple of kind of some turbulent years just even within Notre Dame swimming where there was a lot of turnover yep. in coaching. Um, and, and, and Tim stepped into that role and, and it was actually the interim women's coach the last year of his career. Um, because they needed, you know, a coach to take over to help out with that. So, and even in that one year, um, you know, he made such an impact on those women who graduated, I think, probably four or five years ago, and, and many of them came back for his funeral as well. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be someone's coach for four years to have that mm. impact. I think yeah. you just have to genuinely care about them. Um, yeah. but you know, the, the landscape of, of sports and collegiate sports is so much different now than yeah. it was 30 years ago, mm -hmm. but I still yeah. think it might be a little harder, but absolutely the coaches can still have that impact. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, the other part of the passage of scripture, um, being, you know, virtue and a godly man, I just think it's hilarious they use the word blotted out <laughs> yeah. that's great I mean it's just so funny but it's it gets to the point and um 
you know, I wrote about this in my blog. I was in a golf tournament um, Monday and Tuesday and uh, earlier in the week. And one of the reasons I entered this tournament is because the first day was at uh, Claremont Country Club. And that was the home course of a, a friend of mine who, beloved, died um, in 2018. And I never got to play golf with him there. He was three-time champion. When he died after the mass, the celebration of his life was at Claremont. So I went there. They flew the flag at half mast for him. Mm. And um, he suffered so much in his life. I mean, he lost his home in the Oakland fire and he also had battled cancer for 23 years. He was really unable to, to eat solid food because in his chemotherapy, they burned his esophagus so much. So really suffered, but his spirit was so vibrant and he was so beloved. This man could like, it was hard to understand him speak, but anyways, um, I played that day and I thought, and he and I played golf at his other club. I thought about how Mike would play the course and you know, what he might've thought of certain shots. And then afterwards I went up and I thanked the GM and the head pro. I just said, Hey, I was friends with Mike Donovan. He loved this place. And they said, Oh, Mike, that one still hurts. And I said, yeah, you know, the, and I just said, the space was really special. I went here for after the funeral and, um, you know, we just talked a little bit about him and then they said, you know, thanks for telling us that, you know, thanks for bringing up Mike. And I don't know if like, it's more important for us who live afterwards when we lose someone that the affirmation that they are not forgotten, you know, I think in our lives, we worry that we'll be forgotten, but I think it's just part of the relationship. It's like, you know, they, you know, people remember. And I think there's just, that's like that inner peace. So what a great passage to pray with this week and hang on to. It is. And, you know, I hadn't thought of the actual words blotted out. It is kind of a strange (laughs) term, but boy, it gives you that visual image for sure. Um, Is it the Rosard test? You know, like with the splat. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, and you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, this is a great takeaway for us for this week as well. Um, you know, people want to be remembered. And I know, you know, from many families that I know who have lost loved ones over the years, um, they, they just want to know that their loved ones are remembered. And I, I think that's a great um, message for all of us and a great takeaway for all of us this week is let's remember those um who have gone before us and you know we pray for them you know during weekly mass and um but it might be nice to reach out to someone and say hey i'm thinking of you or i'm thinking of you know your loved one Uh, i think that would be bring great meaning it's really easy to do it's really meaningful when it's received um, that's a great takeaway for me. I will make sure I do that this week. Um, you know, and I will also, it's Father's Day. I feel like we talked a lot about grief on Father's Day. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, it's certainly a day to celebrate, but it's a yeah. hard day for some too. So I will be praying for all fathers. Yes. Right. I will be mm-hmm. remembering those who are mourning their fathers. Um, you know, there's dads who have challenging relationships with their kids. There's children who have challenging relationships with their fathers. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of men and women, but, you know, men out there who are father figures and love, love, love people as their own. And, you know, that's really what it's all about. It is those relationships. It's It all comes down, you know, to love and what we are asked to do. So, Lots to think about this week. It's so great to be back online. 
Yes. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we, we relate to God as father. I mean, that's in scripture and, um, you know, Abba father. And, you know, I haven't talked about Shitzel in a long time, but, you know, yeah. it's in Hebrew and Abba is just a very, you know, informal way of, you know, it's a loving term, daddy, you know, and like to think of God, the father that way is really a meaningful. So however we celebrate, you know, not all people relate to God as father, um, but however we, you know, can celebrate God's goodness for, for people like coach Welsh or my friend, people like Mike and, you know, the, the, that it's not an end, but that they um, grace our lives in new ways. Um, let's continue to pray with that and that others may um, really come to believe that. So, Absolutely. Well, enjoy your dinner with your father and uh, I will enjoy um, gar- yeah, gardening and making granola with, with Jamie and, and looking forward to talking to my dad and giving him a hug too. So, Anne, it's great to talk to you again and we will um we'll be back soon okay thanks Haley. have a good week you too Happy-